Well, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. We're glad you've joined us. And now for a brief interruption in my message. They don't let me talk a lot, so I use these spots wisely. I am a huge fan of the School of Kingdom Ministry. It is unique throughout the entire vineyard. There are 500 and some vineyards in America. This school is really special. And if you haven't taken it, I'm going to make you a little guarantee. You don't get many guarantees that are ironclad. Here it is. I guarantee you'll end up seeing Jesus bigger, better, and more beautiful than you've ever seen in your life. It'll transform you, and I recommend you take it. All right? Okay, and that's enough said. Back to the message. I want to start by sharing a secret with you today. I have struggled with honesty and dishonesty all of my life. Did you hear that? Pastor actually said he struggles with something. Well, that's the truth. When I was about... Uh, well, let me go back. When I was a little kid, I was raised in a family that was really, really, they just believed truth was everything. My parents modeled it. You got in trouble if you were dishonest. You know, stories, all that good stuff. And when I was about five, I'd often go with my dad to what I'd call farm stores, elevators, uh, tractor supply, rural king, farm and fleet, places like that. And they always had peanuts out. And oh, that was just amazing. Free peanuts. I'd eat all I wanted, fill my pockets. I'd, about the same time, I'd go with my mom to a grocery store and you need to see the picture of the grocery store first in your mind. These were storefront stores. They're not the big supermarkets and maybe 20, 30 feet wide, 60 feet long, one loop. In the back was a bushel of peanuts and I was back there helping myself and filling my pockets. I went to the checkout and my mom noticed I had a lot of peanuts on me. Where did you get the peanuts? I thought about lying and saying somebody gave them to me, but I thought, well, I better be honest. So I told her that I just started eating them. They looked like they were free. She grabbed me by the arm, marched me immediately to the store owner. Store owners were always in the store in those days. And I had to ask for forgiveness, say I was sorry. And the guy was nice. He forgave me. The, the story isn't about the peanuts. The story is about you would think that would have changed my life forever. I can still see my mom grabbing me. I can still remember talking to the guy. I can even remember what the color of the peanuts. I mean, peanuts are the same color. But, you know, I can, I can see the peanuts. And it was an incident I, I can tell over and over and over. And you would think I would be changed forever, right? No. Two weeks ago, I had another incident with temptation. It only happens every two weeks or so. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I, I had to replace a water pump on a swimming pool. And these are expensive little critters. They're like $700. And you had to put a pipe in the top, a pipe in the side, all that. And I envisioned myself as a pretty good handyman. Uh, at least I've told my wife that. And um, I put it together, and it's leaking. You had to put PVC pipes in and stuff. So I took it off, and I tightened it down. I took it off again, kept leaking. Finally, I thought, you know, a smart guy will call a real strong guy. So I called Mike, who is strong as I know, and he brings a great big tool, and he tightens the living daylights out of it, and it still leaks. And so it's in kind of a darker area in the shed. So I look at it closely and I thought, oh my goodness, 
We just tightened that thing to where it actually broke because as I looked in the darkness, a little jagged edge of water was coming out of it. I thought, oh boy, I broke the housing on this pump. It's $700. I'm going to look like an idiot for breaking a brand new pump. But a thought pops in my mind. Oh, no problem. I'll call the company and tell them they sent me a damaged pump and they'll, they'll just give me a new one. I didn't want to lose 700 bucks. I didn't want to tell Diane. But it didn't, my stomach starts kind of grinding. I thought, this doesn't sound quite right. But I went into dinner. I'm sitting there and in the middle of dinner, I never get up in the middle of dinner. I said, I got to go look at that pump again. Get in, I go look at it because I told Di what I was going to do. That wasn't a good thing, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, went back and looked. This time I got a real strong light and I realized I hadn't broken the pump at all. We had still inappropriately attached the pipe and it was just leaking, making a little rivulet coming down. And so I was able to take it all apart, get it fixed. It works perfectly today. But the issue isn't the pump. The issue is my reaction. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I was about to lie, to look good, to save myself some money, save myself embarrassment and time and energy. And I thought, oh, this isn't me. And fortunately, my conscience was yelling and screaming and saying, you can't do this. But before we get too judgmental on me, what would have you done? Because I know you're sitting there saying, well, I never lie. Well, how many of you have iPhones or any phone or computers? Or Have you ever had those little things where it's time for an update and you click update and they send you four or five pages of legalese and at the, you scroll through them at the very end, it says, I've read and agree with all the above conditions. <laughs> okay, now that we prove that we all have trouble with honesty and dishonesty, by the way, I will extend forgiveness. There's forgiveness in the kingdom. Christ died for your dishonesty on your phone. But it's a serious issue. There's so much dishonesty in the world, you no longer know who's telling you the truth on anything. It's downright frightening. And it's like, okay here, we probably ought to look at the ninth commandment, which is about honesty. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you are just the best God we have ever could imagine. You love us, and we get to love you in return. You're the father of truth, and you've said who the father of lies is. Holy Spirit, teach us how to walk in the truth. Lord, you're the best. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're on the ninth of the Ten Commandments, and your Bible will probably say don't speak falsely or give false witness or false testimony. I like what it says in the Amplified Bible in verse uh, Exodus 20, 16, I think. Um, you shall not testify falsely or speak falsely. That is lie, withhold, or manipulate the truth against your neighbor or any person. Pretty much covers all the bases, doesn't it? Between false witness, false testimony, and what that verse says, just don't say the wrong things. All right? We're in a series entitled One Commandment. We're looking at a grace-filled look at the Ten Commandments. Why were they given? What was their importance? How does it all work? And you need to remember the Israelites were coming out of captivity, 400 years of slavery. They're about to form a nation. 
And God gives them 10 little fence posts, said, if you live within these fence posts, you'll have a good relationship, good society, things will go well. Some of the people, as I studied for this message, said, the Ten Commandments is considered by many to be the single most important document in the history of the world because so much of our life, our rules, our regulations flow from the thoughts in here. Okay? So it's an interesting, very interesting comment. But... It's always based on honesty, relationship, and building a healthy, wholesome society. Now, we come over to the New Testament. Jesus replaces the Ten Commandments with one commandment, John 13, 34. He said, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. This has two parts. We usually start with, I've got to love that person sitting beside me. That's the wrong starting place. The right starting place is receive the love that Christ gives us just as I have loved you. He loves us with an unending love. Once we know we're loved, we're accepted, it's easier to love that person beside you or any person. All right? So get it in the order that he means. But uh, let's take a look at how dishonesty would affect this great commandment. We'll look at it in a number of different aspects. Let's start by just talking about what is dishonesty. It doesn't really need to be defined, but you'll just find it everywhere. It's deception. Deception, whether it's in the workplace, you know, coming in late to work, saying you did a report that you didn't do. It's deception with the government. It, it is interesting. Most of us pay some level of income tax, and they're estimating right now that if everybody was honest on their income taxes, they would receive $1 trillion more trillion a year of income, the government. Heaven knows the government needs it, but uh, that's another issue. And I'm assuming that nobody in here is contributing to that $1 trillion, all right? I'm assuming the best of all of you. So having said that, that you know, we, we see dishonesty uh, in families. We see dishonesty uh, in, in the whole issue of being honest with God. We're going to talk about that. And then we get to this little thing called white lies or fudging, you know, just kind of shading the truth a little bit. You know, mom says, did you eat all the cookies? And your response is, no, I only ate five. Now, there are only five cookies, but it sounds a lot better to say I only ate five than to say I ate them all. Okay? So, again, we're always trying to make ourselves look a little bit better. And it happens in lots of ways. Sometimes it's just outright lying. I worked with a young man years ago. I, before I became a pastor, I, was, I did estate planning, financial uh, consulting, investments, uh, retirement planning, that kind of stuff. And I was trying to train this young guy. And he was a chronic liar. I don't know if you ever met a chronic liar. But I would take him to a client. I would, I would try to say, this is how we do it. And he would add the stupidest, most outrageous lies. And I think, my goodness, we're highly regulated in the insurance and investment industry. And if we tell lies, we can go to jail. And I'd take him out in the car and I'd say, you just lied to that person. I'm trying to save the sale and you know he never did hear me that that relationship lasted about two weeks and I said I can't do this anymore years later he actually went to jail because he lied on some other investment issues so you can actually get in deep trouble uh, although lots of people that lie don't get in any trouble um, another way we lie is reviling people you know saying things that uh are just not true. We slander them. We gossip. James chapter 3 says, don't speak evil or curse somebody. 
okay? And that, that's what the Bible says. We're always trying to raise our value by pushing somebody else down. You know, they're, they're a nice person, but did you know they're really mean to their kids? You know, you're just trying to make them look bad in a different area so that you look better. Jesus, it said in, in 1 Peter 2.23, he said he, Jesus did not revile when he was reviled against, and Jesus had plenty of people coming after him and saying negative things. Now, you have to be careful here because the Bible says we're not to revile our leaders and we're all somewhat guilty of whatever side we're on deciding that this person we like and this person we don't, so we revile one side and we speak well of the other side. So again, it all fits together. We need to let it flow as one piece. Another form of, of dishonesty is flattery. This will kind of throw you off guard, but flattery where we're trying to gain an advantage by saying something nice to somebody. The Pharisees would do this to Jesus. They'd come to him and say, we know you're a great teacher. We know you're sent from God. Or no one could do the miracles if God wasn't with them. But, and then they'd go to digging around and, and try to cause trouble. And again, uh, I've seen it happen. You're, you're talking to an authority that has a control over you, maybe a building inspector or somebody you need to get a special permit from, and your tendency is to want to say something nice and flatter them and open them up and weaken their resistance and they get them to like you so that they'll give you something, a form of dishonesty. Now, again, we often encourage you to give what I call words of call the gold out in somebody. Walk up to somebody and I see this in you. I see that you have this anointing, this calling. Hopefully you're speaking the truth to them by the Holy Spirit. You're not just making something up. All right? So, again, all these things are of a balance. The kingdom of God tends to be a tension. You can fall in a ditch on either side and find out what the Spirit's saying and doing. Sometimes silence. Failure to speak when you know certain things. Years ago, I, I was sitting in a corner office was right back here on the northwest corner of the church and I, I happened to look at the traffic and there was a bus going north on Lincoln Avenue and a pickup truck coming east on, on Bradley Avenue and the, the bus had the green light he hit that truck and knocked it like 50 feet into the motorcycle shop over there it, it was spectacular you rarely see an accident but I thought, I probably ought to go out and help the authorities sort this out since I'm a witness. Now, it's strange how witnesses see different things, but I'd seen the green light, the red light, and all that. And uh, again, I felt I should speak up. I'll tell you, a tough time to speak up. I was called to court a time to testify against a believer. That's hard. But you don't have a choice when you're in a court and you're subpoenaed. You have to speak up, and you can't even take the Fifth Amendment at that point. You have to share what you know, or it's contempt of court. It's like, oh, Lord, I don't like this situation. But James said that it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Again, you, you have to balance that with the side where the Holy Spirit said in Proverbs, uh, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. So at times, it's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. That's when you say, Lord, I can't figure this out. You can. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me on the next step. All right? One other thing of um, lying that gets us in trouble is what I call misattribution, where you steal an idea from somebody or you take the credit for an idea or you blame somebody when it's not 
when it's really your fault, you try to shift the blame. Again, it's another form of lying. You know, uh, when King David had his affair with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed, and the prophet points out, you got a problem, he said, I'm guilty. I did it. He didn't say, well, I was at war. I was lonely. I was this. No, he just said, I've sinned. Yeah, I wish sometimes you could get your kids to do this or grandkids. You ever had a vase or something get broken in the house, nobody's around, and you gather the family and say, who did this? And immediately, not me appears. (laughs) Not me. Not me. I've often wondered if I could catch not me and beat him up if it would make... (laughs) If it would make a difference. But since he seems invisible and elusive, I don't think it's going to work. But Satan's always behind lies. He's the father of lies. When there's deception, dishonesty, any of that stuff, you know Satan's at work. We as believers don't have anything to do with that. We want to live free and above that. So you could say, well, okay, I know we're not to be dishonest, but why is it so important? Well, I could just stop by saying God said so. Well, you mom and dads pull that stunt, don't you? Why do we do such and such? Well, I said so. Well, God said so. Um, Dishonesty always runs counter to God's ways. Father of truth, father of lies. You, You just see it more plainly. The older you get, it's easier to see. Interestingly enough, if you were to look at the Ten Commandments, and we don't specifically live under Ten Commandments, but Honesty is affected in every one of the Ten Commandments. The first one is love God with your whole heart. But if your actions don't match what you say, that's a lie. Or how about if you um, say, you know, there's one of the commandments, love your parents. What if you know that, but you say evil things about your mom and dad? Or those uh, of us that have been around the adultery situation, the Bible says don't commit adultery. There's always lies involved in an adultery situation. Somebody's lying to somebody about something. That's how we get into the mess. Or how about we say we love our fellow man, but we steal from them. We steal their honor. We steal their money. We steal from the government. We steal them from everybody collectively. See how honesty is at the bottom level of all relationships relationships are the uh, key to a society it's a key to a family it's a key to a church it's a key to a country one of the biggest problems we're facing right now is the fact that we live in a time when you don't know where to trust the news you don't know where to trust an expert every expert over exaggerates their issue at the expense of another issue so they can get more money for it it's pretty soon like i'm just going to check out and God didn't ask us to check out either. But that's, uh, I understand where that feeling comes from. It's, it's like we can't possibly know everything. We can't know the truth. And, you know, I, I remember back when uh, Di and I were the senior leaders here. Let's say, you know, we feel like we're to build a building. Like we built this auditorium one time and we needed uh, $8 million to do it. Well, I asked lots of people. I counted on them telling me the truth. I counted on them. They would say, we will give such and such amount. What if they lied to me? We would all look pretty bad. But see, it's always based on truth and honesty. And I'm willing to commit this. My word is my bond and so forth. And and you just can't lead if you don't have honesty. And when you can't lead, 
things start to crumble and anarchy, the strongest person takes the center stage and we're all in deep trouble. Same with, it's the same in any situation, in a family, when husbands lie to wives or wives lie, kids lie, we got all kinds of problems. So um, it just becomes a necessity. So how do we live honestly? Well, I'm gonna start with you. You could start with God. I think they're somewhat interchangeable here, but be honest with yourself. Boy, people don't like to be honest with themselves. People have a habit, they act like they don't have a habit. You know, um, people that, um, you, you can point something out, say this isn't what you said you wanted to do. They'll figure a way around you because they don't want to have to be held accountable. Be a person of your word. I used to see my dad. Now, my dad would be well over 100 years old if he were alive today. He used to make deals, sell his grain, buy land, uh, buy a car on a handshake. They say, okay, it's so many dollars. Okay, here I agree to it. It always came to pass. People knew my dad was honest, and he knew his friends were honest. And that's just the way that I know things have changed. But... I would love for our words to be our bond. Where we say something, we mean it, we will go do it. One of the little tests that I run on my life is what I call Matthew 12, 34. I call it one, two, three, four. I can always remember it. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. If you're a person who's lying all the time, something's wrong in your heart. Now we all have lied, and so I'm not trying to say I've never lied. But check your heart. If you're like that young man I was trying to train to sell insurance, he had a serious issue. Somehow the Holy Spirit hadn't taken charge or he hadn't given it over. See, be willing to admit mistakes. Be willing to say, I just made a big mistake. See, be honest, be open, be frank. Ask for forgiveness quickly. One of the more important lessons I've had to learn comes from a comic strip named Pogo. How many remember Pogo? He long, he see the older ones do. Uh, little Pogo was, I think, I didn't even realize he's a possum because he has a tail on him. I didn't even know that. But um, he had a famous line. Go ahead and put up the, the cartoon. His line was, I found, the, I found the enemy and he is us. Okay? But I like to change that. And this is the lesson I learned. This will change your life if you get it. I change it to, I found the problem and it's me. Now listen closely. Leave that cartoon up for a moment. Here's the issue. We all have problems. But our first instinct is to look around. You guys are the problem. But here's what you need to learn. Look at yourself first. Be honest about what you're doing right or wrong. Correct it. Now, there may not be a problem with you, okay? Sometimes the problem really is out there. But start with yourself. And if you do that, it'll change your attitude about every situation. So, you know, clip this little guy out, put him on your bulletin board, and uh, I think it'll, it'll be really important. I, that's the single biggest lesson I had to learn in being the leader of a church like this, that I had to look at myself first. Humbling, challenging, honest. You got to be honest. Now, I not only had to be honest with myself, I had to be honest with God. Now, how many of us want to lie to God? Most of us. I heard years ago, a guy said, the thing the average Christian fears the most is to be left alone with God. You have to think about that for a moment, but the average Christian doesn't want to be left alone with God. Why? He sees right through you. He knows 
you know, kind of like the king without clothes. He knows you're not quite what you claim you are. Okay? So having said that, just come to God and say, look, I can't do this, but you can. I, I don't have the ability to be honest all the time. But it starts with the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, today's a good day to start. Now, we all, in a sense, have the Holy Spirit, but I mean the fullness of the Spirit just bubbling out of you. If you're not in union with Christ, where he's living in you, moving in you. See, Christ killed you so he could take over, resurrect you, live in you, and do his thing. He's not interested in your thing, in case you didn't get that along the line. I threw that in from an old message, and you might be glad to know that. He's interested in in leading you to live a life of truth, to represent him. His kingdom is truth, and you are his representative. Everywhere you go, you're a little truthling that just stands up and speaks the truth and represents the truth. See, it, it says it throughout the new covenant in ways like this. Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to one another, seeing you put off the old self with its practices, now you put on the new self. You're a brand new human being. You never existed before, in a sense. But you have a new spirit. You were recreated. You're made new. See, it's take time to know who you are in Christ. That's one thing the school will really teach you, who you are. And it's who you are in context with who God is that brings you into the fullness and helps you live as this new creation. See, being in union with Christ is more than just a nice little phrase. Oh, I'm in union with Christ. Well, what's that mean? Well, I don't know what it means, but it sure sounds good. No, that isn't right. You need to know. See, our propensity, once we're actually saved, is to be honest. That's what your conscience does. When I was trying to lie about the pump, that little screaming in my stomach wasn't bad food. It was my conscience saying, you're an idiot, and you're about to do something crazy, and you want to stop it right now before I have to make you stop it, all right? See, he's always trying to get us to do the right things. See, our consciences are really helpful. Listen to them. Or we could put it in a positive sense. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in uh, every way into him who is the head Christ. See, he's saying, look, our goal is to be like Jesus Christ. His DNA is in our body. He's the firstborn, which means you're the second, third, fourth, 20 billionth, whatever, born. But you have his DNA. You have just like him. If he can live that way, you can live that way. We're part of the family. We're righteous. We've been made holy and clean. We don't lie by our nature. We, we lie by choice. And choice will get us into trouble. So be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Be honest with people around you. People will know whether you're honest or not. It's a wonderful reputation to be honest. Now, fortunately, in spite of my weaknesses, I'm generally known as an honest person. I've had to go to generally because I've been had my wife point out a few times where I wasn't quite honest. So uh, if you don't have the Holy Spirit working, your wife, who loves you dearly, will help. And uh, sometimes I pray, don't leave me alone with her Holy Spirit. Uh, stick around and moderate, moderate. Okay. What, what have we learned? Well, honesty is foundational and very, very important. It, it just, we need it. We, we have to have it or we, things are going to crash. 
but it's never a settled issue. It's a choice we make on a daily basis. And if you're going to try to grit your teeth and say, I'm going to be honest in every situation, it won't work. All you can do is say, Holy Spirit, I can't be honest all the time, but you can help me be honest and you can bail me out even the times I'm flat out guilty and I messed up and you still love me enough, you'll make it come out okay. That's what's really neat. It's not like, oh, you blew it. You were dishonest again. Bail yourself out. No, he loves us. You moms and dads, you've seen your kids lie and you still bail them out, don't you? After you roll your eyes about three times and everything. See, Philippians 4.13 says, we can do all things through Christ. Being honest is one of those all things. We can walk in the spirit. We can be honest. We can pray for one another. We can live the life that we're called to live. Well, it sounds exciting. Everybody benefits. Just for fun, here's a real quick experiment to try sometime. You'll be surprised at the results. For one day, just write down the significant moments you had a chance to be honest or dishonest. You'll probably be shocked at the number of times you had to make a choice to be honest. I hope you made the right choice and didn't go the wrong way, but you'll be surprised. You don't have to show it to me. It's not homework, Um, but God knows anyhow, so I'd probably recommend you, you be honest as you write down what you write, all right? All right, having said that, let's be a people that are known throughout central Illinois as an honest people who love the Lord, who will be honest, even if it might hurt us at the moment, we want to be honest because we represent the king who's always honest. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, wow, what a privilege to get to speak your word, share with your people how you want us to live. Lord, you said you'd empower us, you'd equip us, and you'd make us um, everything that you promised in your word. Lord, we love you, and I just pray that you really, really help us as we move through um, our understanding of this one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.